Good morning, Mercy Road. How you doing this morning? Look great. Hey, can we, can we give it up for the ushers playing a little a church chair Tetris this morning, getting everybody in here? We did it, I think. Uh, thank you guys for bearing with us, and it's great worshiping with you all uh, this morning. If you are new, we want to welcome you. We say it every week. We believe nobody's too far from God to experience life change through Jesus, that the church today should be a hospital for sinners not a museum for saints. So wherever you're at spiritually, thank you for joining us. We are kicking off our theme for the year, and I'll get into the details in just a moment, but will you put your hands together and welcome those who are attending live online right now. We're glad that you all are here. Share this service live. Uh, we can't wait to see the impact that happens online. I'm, I'm pumped to be with you to kick off 2023 with our new theme for the year. The theme is the heart of God. Now, let me tell you, if we every year pray about what would be the thing that we really feel the Lord leading us to in this coming year, it often takes us months of like trying to figure out and agree this is where we see us leading. And this happened really quickly. And, and for months, we've known that this is where we feel like God is leading us in the year. And, you know, I was thinking about there were so many discussions that came up in that process about the things we felt like as Christians today we really need to address. I mean, every hot button issue there is out there, what does it look like to biblically live as a Christian today? How do we deal with the animosity between people across the aisle politically? How do we address issues of race in our culture? How do we address things that have to do with sex and sexuality, the, the ways that our schools are run today? All kinds of big stuff we'd have a whole lot of fun discussing today. And, and we're not afraid to preach on biblical things that the Bible teaches us, and we'll be doing that next week. I, I can't wait to be here back preaching for week two and share something that I think is really important in that, that genre. But what I want to tell you this morning is we felt like, man, that is a lot of stuff to address. What is like the one thing, like if this one thing happened, all of those issues we would see movement in. We would see kingdom effort and advancement in changes in our culture, and to the problems that we see, that we would see people who are far from God truly reach for Christ and discipled, that we'd find Christians who haven't been living for God to transform their life, that we really saw this great move of God. What would all that take? The one thing we came up with was praying was, well, we would really need to have the heart of God in our world today. That as Christians, the way that, that Jesus lived if we want to live like that, we have to understand the depth of God's love for humanity. We have to understand the depth of God's love for us. And so over the next several weeks together, we're going to be looking at this major theme throughout the Old and New Testament about what the heart of God truly looks like. And I'm telling you this morning, it's full of love. And I want to break that down for just a second. First of all, when we talk about heart, some of you are like have a scientific background and you might get slightly confused and thinking we're talking about the anatomy this morning. I don't know what the physical anatomy of God's heart looks like, but the Hebrew understanding of the word heart in the Old Testament is it's the word lev, and it means this. The Bible project defines the heart as this from the Hebrew background. They thought of the heart as the organ that gives physical life and the place where you think and make sense of the world. 
where you feel emotions and make choices. So how we live as Christians today is determined on how our heart thinks and interacts and the choices that we make. We talk about it like this in our discipleship huddles. We talk about that love, first of all, is the way of Jesus. But love has two sides to it. In uh, John chapter 1, verses 14 and 17, it talks about that Jesus came to bring both grace and truth. The way of Jesus is the way of love, but love is both grace and truth. So I've got a little diagram, if, if visuals are better for you, that helps you understand. I even got a Venn diagram up there to the left. Make it real simple. If you have all truth, you got the right answers biblically, but you have no grace for humankind. That's not Jesus. If you've got all grace, sometimes we think the word grace means love, but love has both grace and truth. If you have all grace, but no truth, you don't have Jesus. The way of Jesus, this is the uh, grace and truth matrix we use in our discipleship huddle on the lower right. The way we make our life choices to follow after Jesus, which is determined by the heart that we have in this world, is to call people into a greater relationship with Jesus through acts of love. And that's what I want to address. That's what we're going to kick off this morning. Are you ready to study God's word together, church? Yeah, come on, man. Sharon's excited. I hope you're excited too. Come on. First John chapter four, turn there in verse seven. Let me give you a little background. This is an epistle, meaning a letter written by one of the 12 disciples, John. It's one of the easiest uh, books in the entire New Testament to translate. John was not an overly educated person. He was a young teenager who began to follow this rabbi, Jesus, who turned out to be the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And he, in his later years, writes some letters talking about God's love in particular in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, John writes, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God. Can I be honest this morning? I'm pretty passionate about this because sometimes, a lot of times, I'm teaching sermon series that I know to be biblically true that I, I believe will help people in our congregation to live more like Christ. But every once in a while, God has a series that it's like he's speaking directly to me. And for me, this is so important, I think, for many of us who have been around Christianity or church for years or even decades. If you look around your life and love does not always come natural to you, it's not because you're an Enneagram 8. God didn't make you to not love people. I don't know if you find this, for some of you that may be beyond me in years, I find the older I get, the harder it is to love people. Who's with me? Get so jaded. I, I, I joke to my wife sometimes I, that I'm like the Ricky Gervais of pastors. Like, I don't know why. This is easy to get jaded about the world around us. And if that's you here this morning, what I want to tell you is that if you know and understand the redemptive value of Jesus crucified and resurrected from the grave, that you now have a relationship with God, that God, look what it says here, is love. The end of verse eight. So if you don't see love in your life, it's because you're not seeing God in your life. We're, we're going we're gonna to deal with it. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad this morning. It's that I believe this is incredibly important, not only to us as individuals in this room, but to our society, to our communities, to our school districts, to our workplaces, to our home lives, to the raising our kids and our grandkids. That means that God is love, and if we know him, we live out of love, 
even when our kids spill spaghetti sauce on the carpet, which happened to me this week. (laughs) Verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We're going to break all of that down this morning and then some more verses that follow it. But here's the the main concept I hope everybody walks out of, that the heart of God that we're talking about over the next several weeks together, the heart of God is full of love. The grace and truth that he desired to bring to the world. And he's calling us as his followers to be overflowing with that love in our lives. Will you pray with me? God, I I thank you that all these people came out to prioritize putting you first in their lives as we kind of really kick off a new year here. And we release this theme, God, I believe that your spirit has led us to this moment in time, that we want to develop your heart in our lives, the way that you think, the way that you live, the way that you feel and make decisions and choices. And so we surrender this morning to you, God. We surrender the series. We surrender everything that we're doing in the life of this church and the family of churches through Multiply Indiana and beyond, through our Outpost Network, through our Discipleship Huddles, through Rooted that's kicking off in a couple of weeks. God, we want your heart in the world. We love you, Jesus, and we give you this morning. We pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. Well, if we're talking about love... uh, What's something in your life? Like, if you had to think of something you really love, what comes to mind? Anybody love cars in here? Like, that is my first love, baby. You're like, ah, car, that's my thing. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. It's okay. Be honest in here. Anybody in here, football? You love football? Come on. How many love the Colts? Fair weather fans, I'm just telling you. It's not real love. That... That love, so whatever you love in here, you often see it at work in our life, right? And that you love it with great emotion. The, I think that as followers of Jesus, as human beings today, we might think, okay, God created us, but do you know the depth of God's love for you? The thing that came to my mind is how much I love my kids. Yeah, you know, I love my kids like crazy. Like I'd do anything for them. I would, if I had to, you know, stand in front of a train to protect my child, man, come on, dads, I would do it because that man, I would do anything for my children because I love them so much. Which, let's get real for just a second. I was thinking about that this last couple of weeks, or at least the last few months. You know, my youngest son, Jed, he's seven years old. He's got a lot of energy. He's a very precarious young child. Uh, has, uh, he's also real physical, which kind of throws me off because he's like, so he shouldn't be that physical yet. And like, I'm just like, man, God, well, how am I going to raise this? And sometimes I go to him and I ask him to do things that are really difficult. Like, hey, Jet, you've been watching YouTube for four hours. Could you turn it off, please? You know, that's really hard. And, and he will respond like this. It will be like, no, dad, I don't want to. Because you know, it's later in the day sometimes. I don't, I don't want to. And, you know, you, you don't love me, dad. You don't love me. Like, I'm asking you to turn YouTube off. Like, you go, they don't love me. 
And I was thinking about how in our lives some days, sometimes when our heavenly father comes in and corrects our courses a little bit or has interactions in our life that we didn't anticipate or we didn't want, sometimes like a little spoiled child, he's me, I'm not speaking about you. We get, God, I don't want to. You don't even love me, God. We know that God loves you like other people, but that God loves me, that God loves us, that he created you, that he knitted you together in your mother's womb, that he was there when you made the poor choices that got you in bad places and broken relationships and the drug addiction or whatever else you have going on in your life, the interactions at work or at school that you're not proud of, and he still loves you because the love we're going to talk about in 1 John is the word agape, it's unconditional love. That I don't care if my son, like, does anything, I, was, I tell him, Jet, there's nothing. I, I will always love you. When I ask you to do this, it's not because I don't love you. It's because I love you. There's nothing that could ever separate you from my love, Jet, because I am your father and nothing will ever change that. I think if we understood the depth of God's heart, his love for us today, and I want to show you very quickly in some simple points through 1 John that, that what God's heart looks like. And this is God's heart. And the first, the first point I want to make this morning is that it's full of love. It's full of love, of the grace and truth and the way to live, but he's full of loving compassion for us. First John 4, 7, dear friends, let us love one another. We looked at this, for love comes from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not, uh, excuse me, does not love, does not know God because God is love. If God is love and we know God, we will have love in our life. That means that if you find yourself getting impatient with people and angry and living out of animosity or anger and not out of love for that person, it's not just because they're doing something wrong. It's because we don't have God in our life the way that we should. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but this is the acknowledgement that we have to have when we don't feel like loving. It's often because we haven't spent enough time with the Lord in our life. See, we're kicking off something new this morning. The first part isn't a new thing. We do this uh, pretty much every year in January. We're doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. You should have all gotten this when you walked in. We actually went old school and printed you out a physical copy and it has 21, <laughs> a couple of the non-digital people, very happy this morning. Um, <laughs> uh, that's great. Uh, it, no, but in all seriousness, we wanted you to have this physically in your hand when you walk out of here, because we don't want any excuse for you to participate in this. In fact, there's going to be 21 days of prayer and fasting that kicks off this Wednesday, the 11th. We lined it up with the 11th because it's the first day, and then 21 days of prayer and fasting, we will end on the 31st. So literally, if you forget what day we're on, just check the day of January, do a math, and subtract 10. Can you do that? And you'll know where we're at, and we want everybody to participate in this. If you've never fasted from anything, you give up something in order to connect with the Lord more. You spend that time in prayer. You cry out to him. Biblically, in the, in the New and Old Testament, every time a person fasted, it was actually from some type of food, but we give you the opportunity to fast from anything that you so desire and to say, God, I'm going to give up this, this uh, and rely on you fully and connect with you. And so 21 days, but there's something else. There's a little QR code on the front. I told you there's two things. It's a new thing. We actually have a plan for the whole year. As we're talking about developing the heart of God, we're going to need more of God in our life. He is love. 
a whole plan for the year how to develop prayer and fasting in our church community. And so we want you to answer the few questions that are on the QR code. If you take your phone out and just you can do it right now, don't feel bad. Uh, do it afterwards, however you want, but fill that few questions out. And we want you that you will get connected then to the future prayer and fasting opportunities that Pastor Invita, our pastor of prayer and fasting, will be sharing with you. We're so excited for this year because if we're going to live out of love, we need to understand that God's heart is full of love. So when we don't have love in our life, it means we need more of God in our life to connect with him. And we have a huge vision for that. Number two, if you're taking notes, uh, his heart is full of love for you. And this is how we know that he loves us. This is how we know that he loves us. He makes it real clear. Look at it. First uh, John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we may live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That the way he demonstrated his love for us was by sending his only son. He didn't live distant. At the very beginning, when God created humanity, he walked with Adam in the Garden of Eden. And then Adam did like the one thing God told him not to do that broke the relationship with him. And so rather than just casting Adam out, God continued to pursue Adam. And eventually the Israelites, he would tell them, you'll be my people and I will be your God and I'll make your descendants as many as the sand on the seashore. And he partners with them and yet even they rebel against God. And yet God doesn't give up on humankind. He sends the prophets, hey, listen up. I want you to get that I want relationship with you. I love you. He has focused love on us as human beings. You ever thought about that? That you are the focus of his love. And yet they didn't listen to the prophets. So what did he do? He sent his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. John 3, 16. You've probably seen it at the Super Bowl. That's the depth of his love for us. How do you know if somebody truly loves you? We know the depth of someone's love for us by, let me give you just four things. How much it costs him or her. It costs him everything. Number two, how little we deserve it. That type of love, Romans 5, 7, and 8. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God didn't wait till you cleaned yourself up and began to behave properly and then choose to love you. I don't love my son because he does what I ask him to do or desire him to do. I love my son because he's my son. Agape, unconditional love, the depth of your heavenly father's love for you. There is nothing that you could ever do to keep that love from pursuing you in your life. You can push it away. You cannot receive it. But he's going to pursue you and pursue you and pursue you until your very last breath. You're going to be at the fraternity party doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing. And God is still going to be pursuing you. I can remember walking around a fraternity house and having a Christian come up and walk up and talk to me about their faith while I was doing things that I should not have been doing. His love is going to pursue you, but you have a choice of whether to receive it or not. He was willing to sacrifice everything, even when we didn't deserve it. Number three, the greatness, how you know the depth of someone's love for us is by the greatness of the benefits we receive. The chapter earlier in 1 John chapter 3, he says he lavished his love on us. He doesn't just kind of love us like, like us a little bit, 
Like he lavishes his love on us. We are his heart's desire. And if you don't think of yourself as like God's creation, that you are the the pursuit and the desire of his heart, you got to read the Old and New Testament. That's the depth of his love for you. And then number four, the depth of someone's love uh, can be measured by the freedom that love has. In John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me, Jesus says. I lay it down of my own accord. In fact, love is a choice and an action. It's not just a feeling that you have like you see in the Hollywood movies. It's actually a choice and an action. He chose to give up his life in pursuit of you because of the depth of his love for you. So that's how we could know that he loves us because he gave up everything for us. But how do we know if we love him? Well, this is where the rubber meets the road a little bit. I don't want to step on any toes. We had a little fun with this earlier. Uh, we're going to have some more fun here in a second. But this is how we know we love him. Number three, look at verses 13 to 16. This is how we, this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And then check this out. And we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. And if God is love, whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. So you're like, you said the word love like five times and I totally got lost. Let me explain it. What it's saying there is, if you have received the love of God, how you can know that you love him, you will see the overflow of his love in your life. You will see that when you see somebody's hurting, rather than turning to judgment or gossip, you turn to to care for their needs. You will see that when your, your, your child is, is hurting and angry, that you respond not only with anger and yelling, but actually with care and concern for the child's well-being. You will see that when somebody thinks differently ideologically, we're going to get to that in just a second, about things, that you don't just see them as the enemy. You see the enemy as the enemy, the Hasatan, the adversary, Satan in the Old Testament, that human beings were created in the image of God, and some of us have just been led astray because of the the devil's working in our life. And so we need to fight back spiritually against the enemy, Satan, the devil, and not against the human being. Because God is love the way that we know we love him. We have the overflow of love in his life. I brought something to illustrate this this morning. Let me see here. I'm not a scientist. I don't know how this is going to go. I brought some, some Mentos this morning. Some of you have been watching some YouTube. And... <laughs> You know, I, I literally did this this morning, and I was like, I don't know how this is going to go, and uh, it didn't go well. So <laughs> we'll see how this goes again. Uh, you know, they used to have this analogy that, uh, the, the, not analogy, but the slogan that Coca-Cola was the real thing. You know, you could have the fake stuff, but this is the real thing. And, and I want to tell you how you know you're the real thing, how you actually love the way that God loves. When he comes into your life, you're going to see the overflow of it. In fact, I believe that there are many of you here in the room that may consider yourself not a great Christian who could be the greatest world changer in the room because you don't become a great world changer because you're the best behaved person. You have it because you have more of God's spirit in your life that impacts you and overflows his love into the world around you. 
that you're a receptacle open to what God wants to do in your life. So you see where this is going. It doesn't take a whole lot of God. And we'll see. You know, I really thought this vase was much taller. (laughs) But it doesn't take a lot. God just shows up in your life. And he says, hey, I know that uh, you've been doing a lot of personality profiling. And it tells you, according to your Enneagram and your Myers-Briggs, that you're just a heartless person. But I created you just the way I wanted you, and and you still have the capacity to love with the depth of the Spirit of God in your life, but it requires you being receptive to it. Do you know, I'm a little, am I building it up too much? (laughs) Do you know that what happens in this, uh, it took me a long time to figure this out, it's it's nothing special about Mentos, literally any candy, or I even tried salt, I did with salt too, anything that's kind of has some perforated on the outside of it, that it interacts with the carbon dioxide that is in uh, any type of soda. It's not just Coke, by the way. Any type of soda, and it's just an accelerant of actually allowing that overflow of the gas to be released, that you have the capacity in you to change the world, but you have to have that one accelerator, the Spirit of God in your life, to receive it and to say, hey, I'm going to become somebody who actually makes a difference and an impact in the world. I'm going to overflow with his love. That wasn't too bad, was it? I didn't make a mess. So you were wanting an explosion. Some of you had high expectations. Maybe I'll do a whole pack in the next one. See, the, the truth is that so many people, I think as followers of Jesus, we've received Christ and we just sit there and wait to die. I, and, and we try not to do bad stuff so that, because, you know, we want to go to heaven. And if we did bad stuff, maybe we wouldn't get in. We haven't read the Bible very well. The Bible teaches us it's only by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, him crucified, resurrected from the grave, a sinless uh, you know, God incarnate is the only reason any of us get to draw near to God and spend eternity with heaven. So it's a matter of our receptiveness to that news, that good news for every believer. And that when you receive that, then the spirit of God comes into your life and begins to overflow into your life. But, but some of us, we get stagnant and stale and we plateau in our faith and we get to a place where we stop changing the world because we become jaded because the enemy is at work trying trying to slowly, like petting a little kitten, or if you hate kittens, dog, slowly go to sleep and just become apathetic in your faith. Get fired up about some things online, but get really apathetic about your faith. And what I want to tell you is when God shows up and we be receptive to his love, the explosive nature of what the Spirit of God can do, that all the things that we addressed and brought up at the beginning, these hot-button issues, yes, we need to end racism in our culture. Yes, we need to address issues of poverty. Yes, we need to address issues of sexuality that don't line up with Scripture. Yes, we need to do all of these things. Yes and amen. But you know what? If we don't do it with the heart of God, it has nothing to do with the advancement of the kingdom. It only has to do with our selfish pride of trying to prove other people wrong. And that's what I feel like is missing in so many of our lives. This is how our love is made complete, he says in 1 John. This is how our love is made complete among us that we will have confidence on the day of judgment in this world. We are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. I see a lot of fear all the time afraid of what could happen in the future in our world, afraid of other people, afraid of even people we grew up with. And look, I'm telling you, um, 
you may have some reason to fear some things. I'm not downplaying any of that. But what I'm telling you is in the love of God, there is no fear. You, you don't live and behave for him just because you have a fear of him. Yes, he's the only thing we are to fear, but his love is what actually transforms and changes us. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God, you ready for this? Yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. Most of you are like, oh, yeah, I can see that. Let's, change, let's just change the words a little bit. Whoever claims to love God yet hates the Democrats, yet hates the Republicans, yet hates the, the people that don't believe the things that I believe, yet hates, let's get real for even a second, yet hates the, the criminals. Look, I believe that the love of God is both grace and truth, and truth brings correction in a world. So do not hear that the love of God is not transformative and that there isn't right and wrong. There certainly is, according to Scripture. But that the way that we live out of love is that we don't hate our brother or sister. We hate who? The enemy, Satan, the devil. He is the one at work. And I've seen people who were so far from God hurting people, and it would be easy to look at them and just hate them because they're causing so many problems in the world. But if we could see what's really happening, there is a spiritual battle for the soul of that human being going on, and that we need to allow the love of God to come into their life, and it could actually transform them the way it did us. And we need to speak and preach and talk and teach against the working of the enemy and the Hasatan, his, the adversary, his schemes, and the wrong way of believing that isn't biblical in our world today, absolutely, but we do not hate our brother and sister, that would make us a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. You cannot know God, he is love, without overflowing with love for other people in your life. An apple tree can only produce apples. A, a, a rose bush can only produce roses. A, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, who has God in their life and God is love, can only produce love. And when we don't see the producing, uh, produce, production of love in our life, both his grace and truth, then it's often because it's not God that is at work in our lives. And this is why it's been speaking to me and why I bring up the prayer and fasting plan because the solution can't be, well, I, you're right, I should love people better. I'm really gonna work on it this year. <laughs> Read some books, get 10 steps of how I could love people better. And what you really need from a, a, a Christian perspective, from a Bible teaching perspective, is more of God in our life. To commune with him to pray, to fast, to call out to him and ask for his help. Here's some things that can encourage you to connect with God and then be used by him in your community. If you're looking for ways, okay, well, I, I've got that, but I want to be, actually be used by God. What do you do if you want to live out of love more? Here's just a few simple solutions. Maybe you have some better ones. Start with your oikos, the eight to 15 in your sphere of influence, the Greek word for household in the New Testament and say, God, how can I love this community better? 
I want to connect with you, Lord. Give me, give me eyes and ears to see and hear how I could actually love this community that you've entrusted me with well. Or maybe it's to walk towards people rather than away from people. When you see a, a hurt, a hang-up, a problem, that you don't just avoid it because it would cause more problems in your life, but you walk towards that person and invite the work of God into that, to love them and overflow with his love because you've experienced him. For some of you, some simple things that could help catalyze that, to encourage that in your life is simply community. And the easiest one for us is rooted. If you've never been through Rooted, it's a 10-week small group experience with 11-week celebration. It kicks off here in the middle of January, just a couple of weeks away. You can register today, just write Rooted on your card, turn it into Connect Center. You could do it digitally. We want everybody in our church to go through Rooted to encourage you to be rooted in Christ, which we'll look at in a set. second means you'll be established in love. But then many of you have already been through Rooted and you don't have any type of next step yet. And I encourage you to get into uh, an outpost this season or a discipleship huddle. Discipleship huddles are when you're discipling relationships to help us work on our own individual lives. And then outposts are communities on mission, living together to try and change our world, studying scripture together and growing in faith together. And so I don't know which of those you need right now, but you do need community to help you be rooted and established in the love of Christ so that you will overflow with his love more and more. And I want to end with this question. See, we want these things, but it all begins with understanding the depth of our heavenly father's love for us, his agape love. It doesn't matter if you spilled spaghetti, spiritually speaking, on the floor. His love is unconditional. Do you know the depth of God's love for you? Let me read just two passages here as we close out. Ephesians three seventeen to 20. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That he will pursue you and pursue you and pursue you. He has focused his attention, his care, and his love on you that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God, that that love surpasses all knowledge. In fact, in Romans 8, it says this. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, some of us don't feel like conquerors, like because of the love of God that we're really transforming things. And, and, and I find it's often because we have things that we uh, have fear over, guilt, shame over, and the enemy's tactics are at work to try and distract us, to not give in to the depth of our Heavenly Father's love for us. Because, you know, you, you had a broken relationship and so you thought God was done with you because you made some choices that were poor, you, you, because you went back to the drugs or alcohol and you have, you know, you tried it once, but you didn't really overcome the way that you're supposed to as a Christian. So there must be something wrong with you, you know, because you said that thing at work that really offended a bunch of people. So you must not be a real Christian because you're having, you know, anger and animosity between your family and friends and your children and your community. I want to tell you today, there is nothing in this world that could ever keep you from experiencing God's love. It is agape, unconditional love for you. The depth of his love, Romans 8 says, for I am convinced that neither death, verse 38, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, there is nothing that Satan could do, nothing he could do, verse 39, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you came in here today 
and you don't see the love of God overflowing in your life and you think it's because he could never love someone like you, let me tell you the depth of his love for you is unconditional, agape love. It will never cease. It will never end. No matter where you've been, what you've done, who you've done it with, the things you inhaled, the things you did in your life, if you turn and you repent and say, I have the humility to open my life and be receptive to God dropping in and I'm going to explode with his kingdom kindness in this world, I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. Will you pray with me? God, I pray for those of us in this room right now who maybe have been around you for a long time, maybe even consider ourselves Christian, but we don't see your love overflowing in our life. And then maybe there's some in the room, God, that they've given up on that because of the things they've done or thought or said. We come to you this morning with humble hearts. We open ourselves up. We pray, Spirit, drop into our lives transform us, overflow your love into the community and around us. And so we do this thing this morning. If you want to surrender your life to Christ, pray this with me. On this day, January 8th, 2023, I repent of my sin and I surrender my life to you fully as Lord. I receive your grace and forgiveness and love. Transform me, God. Help me to overflow in the lives of others. We love you, Jesus. We give you this morning and we worship you. It's in your name we pray and all God's family said, amen.